episode of The Companion Show, our time capsule conversations and a discussion through space and time. Uh, my name is Brandon. My name is Zara. So a little bit about who we are and our connection with uh, with the, the Doctor Who. With the TARDIS, I think you're going to say. <laughs> okay, our relationship with the TARDIS. But a little bit about that before we launch into our discussion of tonight's episode. Um, my background is, although I sound very American, I'm actually half from Britain and um, grew up, spent part of my childhood there and so was some familiar from Doctor Who, of Doctor Who the way many English school children are, which is that it's it's just there. It's kind of like Sesame Street. It's just around you and the toy at WH Smith, you see notepads with TARDISes on them and it's all sort of consuming and then every Christmas there's a Christmas special and you all sit down with your family and watch it even if people don't like time travel and science fiction-y things. It's still like, oh, it's a family show, and now is the time we watch it. Yeah. And there are also many, many best-of clip shows that are on all the time, the way that we had, like, I Love the 80s over here. It'll be like, I Love Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and they'll have a talking <laughs> head show about it. Um, and I'm also re-watching the show in preparation for this, but because I'm very slow at watching things, I'm only on series two, so I can get an idea of context of what's going on and stop asking Brandon lots of questions about who's this, why are they doing this, do we know this character, who's this, I'm confused. And that is a little bit about me. Now me, I'm the one with the most knowledge of, of the two of us. <laughs> In general. <laughs> I uh, have been a very, very deep Doctor Who fan since college. I grew up in a household where we watched a lot of English television. I grew up loving Monty Python, which in turn, once I exhausted that, led to loving Douglas Adams. And once I'd exhausted all of his books, I, I learned that he wrote and was the showrunner for Doctor Who. And right around that time, I also discovered, oh my god, this show is relaunching in England. And that's when I fell deep into it from series one. Which is incredible because I feel like I don't know anybody who's watched those old episodes. <laughs> well, it's like you know, a love and a passion well, that you have. It's like, in the time I remember, and, and this is not, I'm trying to be like hipster, like I knew it before a lot of other people in America, but I feel like I did because I remember going around and telling all my friends that, oh my god, I discovered this show. And a lot of people that I know now that do watch it, I would tell them, I have this show. I've never heard of that show. Uh, or I've heard of the name, but why would I watch that? The most you got in America was maybe a, Sim- a Simpsons reference. They played it on PBS here or there, which I caught some episodes growing up, but it was so another world to me. And then as soon as I found it, I dove headfirst into it and started watching all the classic stuff. So that led us into talking about it from the very beginning of knowing each other. <laughs> <laughs> Which led to this. Which just led to this. And so why is that this is the first time we're watching it where... Watching it at the same time. Where we can watch it at the same time. As opposed to Brandon watching it and me being like, I'll watch that, and then I watch SVU ten more times. Yes. So we thought we'd kind of do a little time capsule of our conversations, and if other people want to listen, that'd be great. So we just watched, just watched, the uh, first episode of series eight season eight if you're in america uh which is called deep breath zara what what were your first impressions of this first impressions i have loved peter capaldi for a very long time um mostly of course for the thick of it 
and in the loop, which I think everyone pretty much knows him the best. And when the BBC did their big television special announcement, it's England, they spent a whole hour of BBC publicly paid television to announce the new actor of their character. It was very important. (laughs) At Christmas, the queen only gets 15 minutes to talk, so you can imagine the level of this. (laughs) And when Peter Capaldi walked through the doors, I remember I barely knew who he was, if at all, (laughs) and Zara, very shocked, said, how did they get him? He is famous. <laughs> He's famous. He's very famous. <laughs> not only from that, my he was in um, Everyone Should Watch Skins, and I'll make a separate podcast of me just rewatching <laughs> Skins for the hundredth time. But he had a very moving arc as Sid's dad. That's like perfect in series one that everybody should watch because he is fantastic. And um, but yes, of course, the the thick of it is really his star turn. <laughs> so I would say maybe in the history of the show he's the most famous doctor taking the role. Even my dad was surprised. He had a similar like, oh, how yeah, did Yeah, because usually they happen? get someone yeah. that might have experience but is relatively unknown. Yeah. But he is, at least in England, <laughs> he's like very, very well, well established. Known. <laughs> very well known the, the equivalent of like like Tony Shalhoub or something. Tony Shalhoub. Maybe <laughs> no, Tony Shalhoub. But like, no, but like a better. <laughs> a better Tony Shalhoub. But like someone who does like everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony Shalhoub is where he went. But anyway, this episode starts right out with the Doctor. It doesn't lead into it like some of the other episodes have done. Yes, it's which surprised the me. They sort of deal the most of the episode, or I guess is dealing with the transformation or regeneration. What is it called? Regeneration. Regeneration. <laughs> the change. The of change. Doctor. The doctor. He is older now. He is going older. to the change. A lot of the episode was devoted to he's old now. Oh no, how are we going to deal with it? And Clara has a very hard time coming to terms with the fact that he's gray hair now. Yes. But um, it was very moving and poignant, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was a surprise for me that they dealt with it in such a way as opposed to being like, oh, look, he's different, moving on. <laughs> yeah, and this one, not only is it something they spend probably half the episode talking about, but it's sort of revealed that the reason why he looks like Peter Cabaldi is a, myst- is a mystery. Oh, yes, this is big. Because yeah, I love when Doctor Who takes a meta thing and like makes it something interesting. So this was something where we have the new actor... And we're going to make it a, a mystery probably for this season. It could be for a longer than that. You could stretch it out over multiple seasons of why does the Doctor look like some an actor that has been on Doctor Who twice. He Sort of. Well, the implication is that he looks like somebody he, he's seen, the Doctor has seen before. And I think at this point we don't really know. And he really could know. have been sending himself a message. Yeah. Which like, is, is there a reason very interesting. Because he, he played the way that he a looks. character from the Pompeii episode, and he also played the minister in Torchwood Children of Earth. Yes. Which I find interesting because that's the episode I always thought, why wasn't the doctor there for Children of Earth? Because there's a Torchwood spinoff. Or was he there? Ah. There's a lot of questions to me because the Children of Earth is so crazy. But they also make fun of his Scottishness a lot, which I I enjoy. Yes, I kept a tally. I tallied four times. David Tennant, Scottish, had to change to the Queen's English. I know, I was curious about that. Do you know the reason? Was that just like a creative decision? I always thought, I'd always thought and heard that the Doctor had to speak BBC English because he was on BBC. 
That's not a role on BBC. I, I know, but that, <laughs> I would love that though that they make everybody speak with like perfect uh, perfect BBC diction. <laughs> so obviously not. Because I feel like with Christopher Eccleston, he was they always had jokes about him coming from the north. Tennant was new, so we didn't know what he sounded like really. Right. That's just, that was sort of his Capaldi. Big it would be shocking in England if he, if he, if he had a yes, different accent. That's true, actually. It would be sh- it would too much for England to handle. It would be too much. <laughs> like, we know he's a Scotsman. If Tony Shalhoub spoke with a French accent, I'll think of a much. better actor, not Tony Shalhoub. I'm just trying to think of, like, a character actor who's in lots of movies and TV. Well, but we're barely through the first three minutes. Yes, so which is what happens. Well, first off, you were very into the dinosaur. Well, I, this is a thing about me. Everybody knows I'm very, very much into dinosaurs. <laughs> so I was excited by the arrival of the dinosaur, the reaction of the crowd, and why people weren't running in fear from the dinosaur. They're more like checking it out and ogling. Yes, and you were very upset when the dinosaur was caught on fire. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple things in this episode that were visually disturbing to me that I kept a little list. That was the first one because I was like, will nobody say this? It was like the Hindenburg. And the doctor was having a nice conversation with it where it was like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to help you. Relax, dinosaur. And then the dinosaur catches on fire. Also, there are lots of references to the dinosaur being his, like, lady friend girlfriend, which I was yeah. confused he by. Yeah, he was kind of flirting with the he dinosaur. He was kind of flirting with the dinosaur, but nothing came of that, sadly. Speaking of flirting and dinosaurs, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> did we know <laughs> that Madame Vestra and her lady friend were married? Yes, which we discovered is, I'm pretty sure, is new information. Yes. They were dating when we they last saw They were dating, and last. now they're officially but married. I always say with Doctor Who, and England in general, they are very progressive with their characters, and I don't think you would have two openly when lesbians... When have the doors been closed? <laughs> <laughs> to, the closet doors are closed to a lady lizard and her human lover. Yes, but even <laughs> Madame Vestra was openly flirting with Clara at, at yeah, some Yeah, I would points. be pissed if I was the Mary Poppins helper. What was her name? What, Jenny? She looks like Mary Poppins. Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> she's like dressed like Mary Poppins, but she's like a cocky And has to like pose for her... her yeah. Butch lizard girlfriend. Yeah. She's not really butch. I think she's like a lady. Well, yeah, she's like, wearing she's the tough. she's wearing the lizard pants. She's still situation. wearing the lizard pants in that relationship. Uh, the, but then the she tail. also had like uh, naked women statues. I know. There's a lot with that. Uh, every time they around, have them, like, every time they have them around, they turn up the lesbian on those two characters. It was very much like, don't forget, they're lesbians, everybody. <laughs> and my other, this is related to that. If you were an um, an out and proud half lizard, half human lesbian couple, would you choose as your home the most conservative era of and country of all time? Yeah, you, you always get Britain? the feeling that they are, <laughs> they chose Victorian England, and I'm yeah. sure if someone says they might have a reason. But when you I like to live in the open in a more progressive society than yeah, possibly you have the time most travel at your disposal. <laughs> why Victorian England? Yeah. Although it makes for a cool v- visual yeah. for a team of aliens to be fighting and yeah. monsters. And in I liked England. the whole. It looked like um, Madame Vestra had a 
sort of, um, what do you call it, Sherlock relationship with the local police force where they can, like, yeah. call on her and she'll be like, all right, boys, here we go. I always felt like they wanted to make that into another show and it, yeah. they never got the approval. Like, all the... The Men like, like Mysteries. How, well, no, but, like, how Torchwood <laughs> just naturally split off into its own yeah. thing. That, I feel, you could just take it right off and make it its own thing with a little turn of, yeah. of theme. Right? And then it would be like a Madame Vestra mystery. Yeah. Oh, I guess it's cool because it's like you can just add a throwaway lines like that and suddenly you're like, oh, wait, there's a whole established relationship here. Yeah, which right. Doctor Who is very which good is at. good at, yeah. Very good at. There's the history here, which is sometimes confusing as a new viewer, I think, because some so much feels like these are things I should know. That's true. That and turns people off. I, I think turns say. it off because yeah. a lot of the times... As someone that's watched even as much as I do, you're like, I don't know any of these things. This is great. Like, there's all this history here. But as a new viewer, you're like, oh, my God. There's all these things. Were, were there whole episodes with the inspector like, and the yeah, do, we see, do we see her wedding? Was it whose planet was it on? Like, yeah, like that, was that I'm an episode? Was that an episode? Did I miss but everything? No. Basically, the big bad of this episode that they were fighting were these clockwork aliens. Very steampunk. Very steampunk. Clock. This whole episode was very steampunk, starting with a very good new open, I would say. I love the new open. Very steampunk. But it's also, I think, the music sounds very 80s. I'm starting to get a feeling about this is very uh, inside Doctor Who baseball, <laughs> or inside cricket, is uh, that this, I think, is going to feel a lot like the Sylvester McCoy era, which was an older doctor with a younger, attractive companion called Tegan. Tegan uh, and Sarah? <laughs> which is, I always find funny because Tegan and Sarah's band and those are both Doctor Who companions and I think it's just by coincidence. <laughs> Ask their mother! But, but <laughs> I think... Yeah. <laughs> we have to get to the bottom of this. But those clockwork, the clockwork aliens, this is the big thing that I told you I would save to tell you on the podcast. Oh, yes. Good. Is the... Reveal for the people that have watched the show was when he takes the blood out of the machine. Oh, right? that's what that was. And the blood was, said SS Marie Antoinette. The doctor said it's a sister ship of the SS Madame de Pompadour. Because yeah. he said, I remember, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. And the clockwork aliens that were using human organs, har- harvesting human organs, worshipping a character from history is the girl in the fireplace episode oh so the doctor had seen these aliens before so these aliens had been in so are they robots they're clockwork robots those aren't very good robots though no like i half expected they're like they're highly like steampunk steampunk robots. robots in the whole episode is a steampunk fantasy they're not great robots, but no. this, they were from a previous episode, oh, okay. which was a great reveal at the end. They were great enemies in that episode. This one, the only qualm with this episode was they, to me, never felt like real enemies because they, they just walked at you very slowly, that was which was very old school Doctor Who, where just silly. the character walks at <laughs> you slowly with a knife. Yeah. And then their one thing to do... Like the angels, as you, uh, is to hold your hold your breath. Close your eyes. Yeah. Is you hold your breath. Yeah. So it's a very Moffat has a real Which, formula. No, and I had a flash <laughs> during that moment. Yeah. When, especially when Clara, when before the main attack, when Clara was just and the Doctor were in the ship, 
and she was holding her breath, and then the robots were going by her. Which I thought was a great... A nod to Jurassic Park with how they deal with (laughs) T-Rexes. Yes. Tying it all together. Yes, more to the dinosaurs. It's a very dinosaur. Very still in a dinosaur. Very dinosaur-filled episode. But yeah, I, th- I think I, I I enjoyed this episode and I'm excited. And I liked for what all the yeah, I liked all the um, the scene with the doctor and the main bad guy robot. It was the such end. tragic and interesting. And, but you don't know whether the doctor killed him or not. Yeah. Which is like I think kind of sets the tone for this doctor now. I have two stray okay. observations. Zara's got two stray observations. Just the, back to the things upsetting me. That skin balloon. Yes, the skin balloon. <laughs> that the robot had built. The robot had skinned enough humans to fashion a balloon. Yes. Like a hot air balloon. And never addressed. I guess that thing crashed and there's now human remains all over London. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then the other thing I thought was the final scene, the very moving final scene between Clara and the doctor where they're... She, he's asking her to look at him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very Notting Hill. <laughs> and that Peter Capaldi was giving us his best Julia Roberts. Asking her. <laughs> to, that he's just a girl looking at a boy. Asking him just, to love her. Just a time lord looking just at a, a companion. Just a time lord looking at a companion. <laughs> asking her to love him. And I thought that was great. And no, I... Moffat knows that. <laughs> I think Moffat uh, was very aware of his Notting Hill reference. I hope so. I know Richard Curtis did not write this episode, but... I know Zara has burning questions uh, when he, she watches Doctor Who, <laughs> and that brings us to Who Dat? Who Dat? <laughs> it's the part, although we've talked about it a lot, which is, I remember Madame Vestra, Vestra we established that we did not know ahead of time that she and Jenny, mm-hmm. the Cockney rapscallion Mary Poppins, are, are married now. Mm-hmm. We did not know that. Um, and Strax is now helping them. Even yes. Though Th- they've had episodes. They've, they've had multiple episodes and they're old companions. And so those are the only past con- possible confusions, I believe. And then... Big news, we not big news, but that lady at the end, we have no idea who she is. That's yes. not an established character. I, I am 95% sure that that is like going to be one of the MacGuffins for this series. Yeah. So the, the first episodes of the Doctor Who seasons always start to drop mysteries. So we have the mystery of why does he look like Peter Capaldi? Uh, yes. Which would be great if Peter Capaldi is an actor in English. <laughs> wait, no, that would be the best. If the reason he's seen him before is that he's watched and loves The Thick of the It. The Thick of It. Um, but then the other mystery is there's a woman at the end. The bad guy goes to heaven or the promised land or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Dr. Garden. Somewhere. A garden. He goes yeah. to a nice garden and a woman is there. Also Mary Poppins-esque. <laughs> who said, but like evil Mary Poppins. Sort of evil, but kind of cool Mary yeah. Poppins. She has an umbrella. Yeah. Uh, she asks him how her boyfriend's doing, uh, but we have no idea who she is. No. Now, I have theories. I could lay some of those down. Maybe we should have a segment at the end of the show. <laughs> Brandon's theories. Brandon's theories. Uh, so we can call this Brandon's theories. Brandon's theories a really catchy new segment. <laughs> Brandon's, Brandon's theories. theories. <laughs> is that she is either the Rani, who is a female time lord who people have always thought was going to come into modern Doctor Who. She's 
a kind of evil-ish female time lord. Uh, and two is it could be a female regeneration of the master. I want them to bring the master back. Stephen Moffat said that they might, they, he, well, I never trust anything he says, <laughs> but he says that he won't bring the master back. But the master, I think, is one of the best characters because he's like Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. It's supposed like to the be big bad. the master and Doctor Who. I think Moffat's liked uh, the Sherlock Holmes Moriarty uh, relationship because he writes Sherlock and he loves Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> now moving on to the next segment, which is uh, the science and history of the episode, because there's always Doctor Who was supposed to be an educational show when it started out. So this episode started out in Zara's brain, which was a dinosaur, in <laughs> dinosaur in Big Ben. <laughs> The Victorian people all seem to know what a dinosaur is, which would make perfect sense because at that time, dinosaurs were like the big topic. Uh, di- they were one of the things that people were really into, right? This was the time for sure. That di- the dinosaurs were like the new discovery. Like people had fi- found dinosaurs, but they didn't really know what they were. In eighteen hundreds, is when they kind of figure out that these are oh wait, these are fun things to collect and put into museums collect, and, and they were fight over. Not dragons. They probably were ancient yes. lizards or something. And then they built models out of them and had dinner parties in them, which is <laughs> something you can Google and find photos of because it's remarkable. <laughs> it's kind of how I want to celebrate a future birthday. <laughs> it costs lots of money. It costs lots of money. Uh, <laughs> They're in Crystal Palace Gardens yes. in London. You can rent them, maybe. And Sir, so because Sir Richard Owen, who was English, I believe professor at, a professor at Oxford, named wow. dinosaurs in 1842. So this seems like it's Victorian era, so at this time, dinosaurs are all the rage. But still, you think those people be running from We might be slightly afraid by a giant dinosaur, but maybe they were more intrigued by the the science and the history of it. Yes. I also thought the dinosaur might have been a little too big. Uh, Yeah, it was like full Godzilla. Full Godzilla size. (laughs) A T-Rex would be maybe half the size of Big Ben. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no, I'm like, it's... That was way taller than Big Ben. Yeah. Now you could see it from every rooftop in London. <laughs> and people were just going to gawk at it. And yeah. it only seemed to walk up and down the, 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 only, the Thames. Only by popular landmark. Like, it seemed like it couldn't get out of the Thames. Oh, yeah, maybe it was trapped in the Thames. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that has an aspect of tragedy to the story that before it burned to death. <laughs> and also from a history point of view, I thought only in an English show... With a joke about the violent poor. Being oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Strax says, by this time, he's probably been murdered by the violent poor. Uh, no, it's true. <laughs> and he also, only in an English show could a elaborate metaphor to the thing that's going on now between Scotland uh, leaving England, or leaving the United Kingdom, um be made with the whole yes. Capaldi's whole joke about his eyebrows not being a part of his face and whether they should just leave the face altogether and yes. form their own country. It would be interesting if Scotland does go independent and then England now has a Scottish doctor. It all because <laughs> <laughs> Peter Capaldi is not his fault. Game time. <gasps> oh, I have a game! Whoa! And I have sound effects. <laughs> I'm completely unprepared for this. I didn't know. <laughs> the game for tonight is Doctor Who Alien 
or European candy bar? <gasps> oh, this is a really good thing. <laughs> well, I will name something, and you'll tell me if it's a Doctor Who alien or a European candy bar. If you get it wrong, you will hear... No! If you, <laughs> if you get it right, you'll hear... Oh. <laughs> so first, let's start out easy. Zara, Doctor Who alien or European candy bar? Mr. Big. Uh, I'd say candy bar. Oh my. Yay! <laughs> Zygon. Um, alien. Oh my. Mara. Alien? <laughs> Okay. Lindor. Oh, that's candy. That's delicious chocolate. Oh, <laughs> the thing is, I know my European chocolate. Macron. Alien. Oh, Pied Piper. Alien. Oh, ah. <laughs> Carl Fazer. Ooh, I hope that's an alien. No. Oh, shoot. You're gonna lock that in? You're gonna lock it in? Alien. <laughs> oh, it's a European candy. It's from oh, Finland. Carl Fazer is a European candy from Finland. <laughs> no. Whisper. Oh, that's English. That's delicious. That's it. <laughs> Four, five, six. Alien. <laughs> Kitling. Oh, candy bar. No. <laughs> Doctor Who alien. Oh, it sounds delicious though. And Stratos. Candy bar. You're good. Oh <laughs> you win! Yay! <laughs> I know my candy bars, kind of. You know your candy bars. <laughs> All right, so now, Zara, our ratings. Okay. So, what did you give this episode? Brandon, I gave this episode um, seven cross-out eyebrows out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, surprise, I rated also seven perfect bangs out of ten. <gasps> and we didn't talk about her perfect So bangs. now is a segment, a uh, bonus segment, called Zara Talks About Clara's Fashion and Hairstyle. <laughs> okay, didn't we? When she first came out in the TARDIS, when her hair was all windblown, I thought she looked great, and I liked the tousled bang, and it made me imagine a gold bang for future if I could pull off bangs. That is Zara's segment about talking about Clara's hair. <laughs> she looks great. <laughs> 